Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the First Baptist Church in Coleraine. Welcome wherever you are, wherever you are listening. Good to have you with us. I'm going to read... Revelation chapter 14, and the heading in uh, this Bible, it says, The Lamb and the 144,000, the three angels, the harvest of the earth. Let's read chapter 14, Revelation. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads and heard a sound from heaven like the roar of the rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps and they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among men and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear not, fear God, and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on their forehead or on the hand, he too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There's no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand, then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was seated on the cloud, take your sickle and reap, because the time for reap has come, 
for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the clouds swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had a sharp sickle, take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. May God give us understanding. We certainly need it this morning. Amen. Let's have a little word of prayer. Father, we do need understanding of your word. These 20 verses, there's so much in them. Uh, it's full of symbolism, but it doesn't alter the fact that it's true and it will happen. So may we be tuned in, concentrate, not be distracted. So easy to be distracted. And the enemy, too, wants us to be distracted and steal away the word that's about to be preached. We pray that that will not happen here and for those that are listening, wherever you may be. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's lubricate the larynx first. The name of this message is Blood Up To Their Horses' Bridles. I'm afraid it's not good news. You know, Revelation is, has some good news, and we'll get to that eventually, but this chapter is very bad news. But only bad news for those who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal saviour during the coming tribulation period. This chapter it looks to the end of the seven-year tribulation period. It's known as the Day of the Lord or the Day of the Lord's Vengeance. You know, we hear a lot about the love of God, but you don't hear about the wrath of God. But it's here in the Bible. And we're not going to ignore it because it's important to know, vitally important. Revelation, the first five verses, we read that the Apostle John, he saw a lamb in his vision. It wasn't an animal, this is referring to the lamb of God. Who's that? The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Jesus. He was, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter on the cross at Calvary. And uh, no one forced him to go there. He willingly went there and he shed his innocent blood on our behalf, the Lamb of God. So John sees the Lamb of God. He also sees 144,000 People, who are they? We've already discussed this before in Revelation chapter 7. These are those Jewish Christian witnesses that have been assigned because God is merciful 
He's not willing that any should perish, so what does he do? He sends his witnesses. After the church has been taken out at the rapture or the resurrection, the tribulation begins, the first, beginning of the first seven years. He raises up 44,000 Jewish Christians to preach the gospel to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. So the people of the left on the earth during the tribulation period have the opportunity to be saved. That's the love of God. That's the mercy of God. Amen? So it's their choice once they hear the gospel to be saved or not. And there's many who will, and there's many who will not, and they will suffer the consequences. This is what this chapter is all about. There's going to be a reaping, you see. It talks about a sickle, doesn't it? A sickle. Does anyone know what a sickle is? It's what farmers used to use before modern machinery. You know, it's good for cutting uh, the wheat, and it's also for chopping down the weeds. You know, and you're either a wheat in, in Christ, or you're a tear, or a weed, you know, and the weeds are only good for burning. Amen? That's what the Bible says. And we're going to get to that soon. These 144,000, they survived that tribulation ordeal. And they're going to enjoy shelter and refreshment and comfort. When Jesus sets up his kingdom after the seven-year tribulation period, which will last for a thousand years. It's called the millennial kingdom. That's what a thousand means, right? So we're told there's going to be great rejoicing in heaven when this happens, following the horrific latter half of the tribulation period, known as the great tribulation. So that's the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period. You need to get tuned in. And listen, in this chapter, we learn about six angels. There's six angels mentioned here, but they've all got different roles to play. Verses 6 through 9, we learn about three of them. The first angel is given the capacity to proclaim the gospel message throughout the whole world. What's the gospel message? That Jesus saves that Jesus died, that Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose again from the dead. This angel has the capacity to preach the gospel to everyone who's left on the face of the earth. Don't ask me how he's going to do it. God's the God of the impossible, all right? Somehow he's going to make that happen. Why would he do that? There's still going to be people on the earth that are not saved, there's going to be people left on the earth who haven't received the mark of the beast and worship the Antichrist. So they're kind of sitting on the fence. They're not saved. But the angel is going to proclaim the gospel and they're going to have the opportunity to be saved. That's their choice. That's our choice. You receive Jesus as your savior, you make the right choice. Unless you want to go to that place which is burning with sulfur. It burns forever and ever and ever and ever. The second angel declares God's imminent judgment 
on Babylon. Now, Babylon here, it symbolizes wickedness, the wicked system that's going to exist during the seven-year tribulation period. It, the uh, corrupt, evil, political and religious system that will exist during those seven years called the tribulation period. We'll learn more about that later on, Lord willing, in the book of Revelation. As you can understand, there's a lot to learn in these 20 verses, and I'm going to try to encapsulate it within half an hour. Virtually impossible, and hopefully you're going to get it. All right? All right. The third angel, he pronounces judgment. So we've heard about two angels. There's another one, third angel. What does he do? What's his task? What's his ministry? What's he assigned to do? He's going to pronounce judgment on the Antichrist and his worshippers, those who have received his mark on either on their right hand or on their forehead, called the mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? Give me the numbers. You that are here each week, what's the mark of the beast? 666. Amen. Good for you. And uh, that third angel is going to pronounce judgment on the Antichrist and also his followers that have received the mark. For them, it's too late. They can't be saved. They're already eternally damned. They're already eternally condemned, having rejected Jesus as their personal savior. It's too late for them. Now, the rest of the chapter, 14 through 20, it anticipates the judgment of the wicked that takes place when Jesus returns to this earth at the end of the seven-year tribulation period to set up his kingdom reign, which is explained by Jesus himself. You can't have a better historian than the Lord Jesus, and we've got what he said regarding this time. And it's known as the parable of the weeds, the parable of the weeds, and this is the story that he told. And I've cut it down for time's sake, which I'm sure you'll appreciate. Matthew chapter 13, 36 through 43, those that take notes. This is what it says. This is what Jesus said uh, that Matthew wrote down. He was there. He heard it. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the peril of the weeds in the field. He answered, Jesus, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. Who's that? Jesus. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. Right? You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Doesn't mince words. Neither do I. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age, the end of the tribulation period. 
the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They, who's they? The angels, will throw them into the blazing furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Also in Matthew 24, 21 through 46, let's read again Jesus' words. Jesus always told the truth. The only one that's always told the truth. Regarding the future tribulation period. Listen. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, it was only seven years, remember, could have made it longer, then no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. Because people during the tribulation period are going to believe that the false prophet is the Messiah. Amen? We covered that last week, remember? Do not believe it. Why? For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, those that are saved during the tribulation period. See, I have told you ahead of time. This has not happened yet. It will. So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the wilderness, do not go out, or here he is, in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. This is talking about Jesus' second coming. He's coming again to set up his kingdom. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Only believers saved during the tribulation period will enter into God's millennial kingdom. All the unbelievers, even though they're given a chance to be saved, will perish, will perish. We'll learn more about that shortly. Do you want to learn more about that? Read First Thessalonians chapter 1, 5 through 12. Jesus also predicts, and we don't like, some, if people don't want to, you know, they want to hear about the love of Jesus, and now Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, he does. But this is talking about the vengeance of the Lord. This is talking about the day of the Lord. This is talking about the wrath of the Lord. Anyone want to hear that message? Be honest. No, you don't. 
but we're not going to avoid it because it's in the Bible and we need to know. Amen? Also read Jude, uh, one, chapter 1, 14 and 15. talks about the day of vengeance, the day of the Lord. Oh, we don't want to hear about that. No, no. The Lord's day of judgment is also described in, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, chapter 63. 1 through 6, let's read it. Listen to his prophetic words regarding the Lord's judgment of the wicked in the future. It's going to happen. This is what Isaiah says under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't his ideas. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write down these prophetic words. Who is this coming from Edom, from Basra, with his garments stained crimson? What's the color of blood? Crimson. Who is this? Have a guess. Who is this, robed in splendor, striding forward in the greatness of his strength? It is I, proclaiming victory, mighty to save. Why are your garments red, like those of one treading the winepress? Remember we read about the winepress in this chapter? This is what he said. I have trodden the winepress alone. From the nations, no one was with me. I trampled them in my anger and trod them down in my wrath. We talk about gentle Jesus, meek and mild, eh? Their blood splattered my garments and I stained all my clothing. It was for me the day of vengeance. The year for me to redeem had come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. That's probably referring to Jesus when he died on the cross too. So my own arm achieved salvation for me and my own wrath sustained me. I trampled the nations in my anger. This is going to happen when Jesus returns at the end of the seven-year tribulation. I made them drunk and poured their blood on the ground. Not very pleasant. Thank God that we won't have to go through that. I hope you don't. So that describes Jesus' absolute and horrific, terrible defeat of all his enemies at the end of the tribulation period. The description he talks about in this chapter, grapes in the winepress that are crushed and broken to release wine. This symbolizes the blood and the bodies of God's enemies that will be smashed in this bloody defeat before Jesus returns to set up his kingdom. This is... You know, you're not, on the, uh, you're not on the milk of the word here this morning. You're on the meat, okay? You're on the meat of the word. Now, some people have to uh, start off on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the milk. You know, you don't give baby a, a flaming yawn when it's born, you know, when it finally gets to you. They can't chew on it. They can't take it in. They can't eat it. Are you taking this in this morning? Or are you still uh, desiring the... The milk of the word. That's not, that's not a bad thing either. 
Now, taken literally, this verse describes a river of blood reaching as high as a horse's bridle. And it's going to be, it says here, and you have no idea what a stadia is in this version. It talks, uh, the bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. Well, let's keep it in simple terms. It's going to be 180 miles long. Okay. River of blood, 180 miles long, as high as a horse's bridle. That's how much the blood will flow when Jesus puts his sickle in to his enemies and they are destroyed, taken literally. This is going to happen and we're going to learn more about this in the future. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. Some of you have heard that phrase. I'm not talking about the movie with, what's his name? Bruce Willis, thank you. You forgot, didn't you? Not talking about that. The Battle of Armageddon. It's going to happen. We haven't got time to go into that. Are you with me so far? Try to stay focused. Stay awake. Don't nod off. Listen to the prophet Joel. All right? I know dinner will wait. You look forward to having more, you know, you'll get more of an appetite when you finally get down there. All right? Listen to the prophet Joel. Those that take notes, that don't have a perfect memory like the rest of us. Joel chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. The Old Testament prophet, let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat. What's he talking about? That's where the battle's going to be. The battle of Armageddon. When Jesus returns. For there I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. Swing the sickle. There's that word again. For the harvest is ripe. This comes in line with Revelation chapter 14. Does it not? Yes, it does. It's confirmation that it's going to happen. What? Carry on. For the harvest is ripe, come trample the grapes. It's symbolizing the unsaved. They're going to be crushed and their blood is going to be poured out. For the winepress is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. So God, he does not tolerate Wickedness. No unbeliever will enter into the millennial kingdom. It's, it's going to be perfect. And if you get a sinner in there, it will not be, will it? Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Revelation 19 talks about this as well, where Jesus his robe is covered in blood. This is gentle Jesus, meek and mild. No, it isn't. This is the day of the Lord, the day's vengeance. You won't hear messages like this from the majority of people, from the majority of preachers. You won't hear that from Joel Osteen and other people like him. 
He doesn't want to offend people. No, neither do I. I don't want to offend people. I'm going to preach what it says. And whether you believe it, that's up to you. I've got to give an account to the Lord when I stand before him. And so do you. We give an account to the Lord for the things that we've done since we've been saved. And how we receive this message and what we do with it after we hear it. So let me conclude. Hallelujah. Today, what have we learned? A lot. A lot. A hope. Let's just recap. Oh no, yes. Should have bought a cushion. We've learned in this 14th chapter the difference between two groups of people during the latter half of the seven-year tribulation period. Those who received Jesus as their saviour during that seven years and those who choose to receive the mark of the beast. Those that have cho will choose to worship the Antichrist. So there's two types of people, right? The Apostle John sees the Lamb, Jesus, 144,000 Jewish Christians standing together on Mount Zion, which is in Jerusalem, celebrating Christ's victory over the beast and his followers. Those in heaven will also rejoice because of the good news of salvation will reach everyone on the face of the earth. So they don't have to face judgment. God loves everybody. He loves people. He's given everybody an opportunity to be saved. And we need to be saved. Are you? Are you? It'll depend on your eternal destination. You're either going to be saved or you're still lost. Amen? It's just two choices. This should be a warning to us today. Or those of you listening who choose, again, there's that word choose, because we're not robots, we've been given a will, to reject Jesus and refuse to return from their sin to the Savior. And there's only one Savior whereby we must be saved from the wrath to come, God's wrath. Now, those of us that are saved, we should praise God every day. Do we? You wake up, you're like, oh man, not another day. You start praising the Lord. As soon as you wake up, your day will go a lot better. Praise the Lord. Thank Jesus every day for paying the price. Shedding his sinless, precious blood on the cross. So we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for our sins. There's the gospel. It's encapsulated in that. We're sinners. Jesus is the saviour. He died in our place. We believe it. The word says it. That settles it. Amen? So, I'm going to close. Finally. 
take some pills next time if you want to. You know, what, what do they call it? Uh, no, sorry. It's going to encapsulate the day of the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 12. Not Adavan, the other thing. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know, see, Paul taught these people in Thessalonica. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction, will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Once we did, before we were saved. So then, let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be awake and alert. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be alert, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Listen to this, and I'm going to repeat it. For those that are you that are worried, those of you that are saved, you think you, you can possibly lose your salvation, that you're going to suffer wrath if you make a mistake. No. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Aren't you glad of that? That you don't have to go through what these poor people will have to go through? but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. See, God has prepared a place for us in heaven. Therefore, see, we've heard the bad news, haven't we? We've heard a lot of bad news this morning. Amen? But here's the good news. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other just as, in fact, you are doing. So we should be so thankful, so grateful that we won't have to suffer wrath. The wrath of God was abiding on us before we received Jesus Christ. And now... Because we're saved. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Well, this is uh, horrendous things that we learn in the book of Revelation. and It's not to be avoided. And many... Teachers, preachers do avoid it. 
We thank you that you are giving us insight into what will happen in the future, but it, it doesn't apply to us unless uh, you're unsaved. Those of us that are saved will not go through tribulation. When you return, dear Lord, you promise. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through the end of the chapter. We're going to be taken out of this world and we'll receive a resurrected body. The rapture, we're going to be taken out. We're not going to suffer wrath. We're not going to go through the tribulation period. We should be so thankful. Praise you every day. But unfortunately, those that are left behind will go through that horrendous time period. They're going to see things unimaginable. And the rise of the Antichrist and the false prophet people believe is the Messiah. And they're going to worship the Antichrist. Receive the mark of the beast. And are already condemned, cannot be redeemed, cannot be saved. Lost eternally. But then you are gracious, you are merciful. You love everybody, not willing that any should perish. You send the 144,000 witnesses. You send the, the two prophets to witness. You send that angel to witness to those that are left, that are sitting on the fence, haven't made a decision whether to follow Christ or the Antichrist, to give them the opportunity to be saved. You are so merciful. You are so merciful. But where there's, there's wrath, there's also mercy. I want to address those of you that are not saved. You don't know when you die, you're going to go to heaven. You can go to heaven, but there's only one way that you can get there. And that's by believing in your heart that Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to die in your place on that cross. He took all your sins, all the sins that you've ever committed, do commit or will commit, and he took the punishment that you deserve. He took the wrath of God on himself so you wouldn't have to suffer that wrath and go to a lost eternity and be separated from God. Now you're fortunate because there's millions of people on this planet that have never heard this message, that have never heard that Jesus loves them and died for them. So I would encourage you to call upon the name of Jesus to save you from your sins so you won't have to suffer judgment and go to a lost eternity forever and ever and ever. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I hope you make that choice because that'll be the wisest choice you'll ever make. Amen? Amen. Thank you and God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.